Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 323. But you have to know that in order for everything else in your business and your life to be successful, you have to be exceptional first. You set the standards and then you make sure that your employees follow suit. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Hiring a consultant to train your staff and to improve your restaurant can be expensive. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just get advice from world champion baristas and leading restaurant consultants without spending thousands of dollars? Tipsy believes you should have the chance to learn new skills whenever you need to, which is why they have hundreds of hospitality courses available for only $9 a month. To give you a little something extra, as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you can also get 50% off your first month. All you gotta do is Click the tipsy banner in the show notes. Get on it. Are you opening a restaurant and stressing out with where to start? Or perhaps you've already opened your restaurant and you're finding yourself completely overwhelmed with the day-to-day task that only you know how to do. If you feel this way, I've got good news. You don't have to do it alone, nor should you regain control of your business and your life with restaurants owner.com and if you go to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable you will get a 10 day pass for only one dollar get on it with excitement allow me to introduce andrew carlson back on the show for a second time andrew you know it's coming you've, you've been you've been here before are you feeling unstoppable today i'm always feeling unstoppable yes and you are man you're clearly unstoppable uh so excited for you and your new book and i can't wait to dive into that book today and just go over what i learned and why you created the book but uh this is andrew's second time on the show like i mentioned he was episode 200 so if you want to learn more about andrew before really diving into this book head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 200 uh i kind of go through the same motions I go through with all my guests who are here to be guest mentors and follow that same outline. So you can kind of learn more before uh, hitting play on today's episode. So hit pause if you want, go back to episode 200 and then come back to us now if you would like to. But uh, Andrew Carlson is a restaurant consultant and coach who focuses, uh, who has a focus knowledge on personal growth, leadership, training, customer service, and social media marketing. And he writes on these topics at Andrew uh, hyphen carlson.com uh as a as of recently he's also the author like i mentioned in his first book is um customer service is the bottom line and that's what we're here to talk about today super excited i really enjoyed just you know consuming this book over the past couple days and before we learn more about this book andrew and why you wrote it uh let's get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra take it away Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on the show again, Eric. Oh, my honor, um, dude. <laughs> um, my success quote is from Zig Ziglar, and it's, you never know when a moment and a few sincere words can have an impact on a life. Mm, it's so true. It, it, every minute, every day, there's an opportunity to change someone's life. And you, you just always got to be conscious and aware of that, man. We, we kind of just forget about situational awareness sometimes, and it can really bite us. Uh, do you want to reflect, go any deeper into that quote and why it really resonates with you? Yeah, because, I mean, especially working with the younger generation now coming through the restaurants, and everything is very technological-based, and I've realized with a lot of people that are connected in the industry that a lot of people don't have an awareness or just an understanding of how to communicate to somebody one-on-one and have that impact on them. You know, they'll walk up to a table, a server will walk up to a table, and they won't know how to have small talk. They won't know how to communicate to that person other than the script that they've been giving by their boss, just saying, what can I get for you? This is this, this is that. And then they bolt away because they're too afraid because they're not <laughs> having that texting conversation. Yeah. They're having a face-to-face conversation. Yeah, man. Uh, and that's not their fault. I think that's probably something that we might dive into more as the episode keeps going. But 
I mean, when everybody just bitches and moans about millennials today, and you have to re- think about what life they came up. I mean, they had a good. I mean, there's a lot of different cultures out there, different countries that have mm-hmm. really crappy situations. We have a good situation, but at the same time, um, we've grown up in such a transactional environment where everything in, in life is just a transaction. And there's a lot of very shallow relationships in my opinion generally today, even down to the school system, like standardized testing, like everything's just so standardized, so transactional, and we've gotten away from what makes us human uh, with being so efficient. Uh, that's a, probably a topic for another day, <laughs> but we've got to give these people the skills. We've got to mentor them. Mm-hmm. We've got to be there as a human for them. It's so awesome. Great way to get this thing started. So, um, one thing I think we, you know, just to kind of paint the picture uh, about the book and a, a great place to start, uh, something that's been kind of been a hot topic on the show is this whole idea of transformative relationships, kind of like what we're already talking about right now, being a human being to somebody else. So let's get the ball really going, the ball rolling, uh, get it really going, picking up some momentum, talking about your f- first really great experience in the restaurant industry, which sounds like it's with pie in the hole out of LA. So talk about that experience and just bring us through that journey of how amazing that was for you. Yeah. Well, I started working in the film industry, which was what brought me out to Los Angeles in the first place. But there was a lot of health issues that I was battling at the time. And I had to find a restaurant job that because that's what that's what my experience was in. And I had to find a job to allow me to take time off and just allow me to take care of what I needed to take care of. And I just found a barista position at this restaurant called The Pie Hole. And I was honest with them from the up from the very beginning saying, this isn't what I want to do forever. I want to get back in the film industry. And just as we started to progress and we started to grow as a company, I was like, maybe I was falling back in love with restaurants again. I was like, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. And I would always keep that open conversation just saying maybe this is what I want to do I do want to grow with the company so I became a manager I started opening the new stores and now I'm their director of training but what's amazing about this whole thing is the relationship that we've had it was a human connection that we had Um, it was like this isn't what I ultimately want to do but they want to help me succeed and they always say that they want to be the best restaurant job that they've ever that you'll ever have and I think as a company standpoint, they're doing a fantastic job of it because as a director of training, I always have to go out, figure out what the best training solutions are. How do people learn and how do we implement that? That's one of the biggest things that, you know, as trainers, we don't always understand is there could be something great in theory, but then when you implement it, it doesn't always work out that way. Yeah. And just going along on the journey with them of, going from one restaurant and now they have six, including actually seven. Now one just is opening up in the next couple of days. Two of them are international and to be able to see the growth and the owners who they weren't restaurant people, they were people in other industries that got in the restaurant industry. And this is what they want. This is their story that they wanted to bring to the world and to Los Angeles. And just that relationship that I've had with them throughout this whole four years that I've been with them of, I said, I want to create my own business three years ago. I said, I want to have my own hospitality business, eventually open up my own restaurants um, and do some secret shopping. And I want to make sure that restaurants moving forward don't continue to close down because it breaks my heart every time a restaurant closes down and closes their doors because it's not just the restaurant owners that are affected. It's their families. It's the employees. It's the families of the employees and everything. So it, it, when a restaurant closes down, it's not just affecting one person. It's affecting a whole community of people and it's affecting a community in the town of itself as well. And when I said, I want to open a business, they said, we support you 100%. We want to make sure that you have the skills and the tools necessary because you're at this time I was talking to them, I was 22 years old and I didn't know what was going on. I had some businesses that I started and they weren't successful, but they were like, we want to be able to give you the tools because it's not only going to help our company, it's also going to, you know, be, you're going to become a leader in this industry and be able to help many more restaurants moving forward while you're helping us. Yes. And it's just that mutual connection that they were 
totally honest. They could have said, no, we're not going to teach you anything. We're just going to keep you at the very bottom. We don't want you to grow and succeed. But they truly do want to see every single one of their employees succeed, whether it's in the restaurant industry, whether it's in the music industry, whether it's in the film industry. No matter what, they understand that people have dreams outside of their company and they want that to grow and be, you know, that's part of their culture of helping people and continuing to lend their hand down to bring more people up. Yeah, and that's I, only going to make their business stronger. I love everything you shared with us, just kind of spelling out the relationship you have with them, your role with the company, how they've in, invested in you, encouraged you. And I mean, that's so much about what we learn on the show is just making it about everybody else in your business and in serving them, helping them get to where they're going. And if you have that mentality, you will go great places. But Andrew, I want to talk about that ex- that more on an emotional level. I want to get go deep on you came to this restaurant four years ago, kind of in a, a really shitty place, a dark, crappy place where you didn't know what you wanted to do with your life. You were lost. And how did they help you emotionally? Get emotional, man. Tell us how they changed <laughs> your life. Um, I mean, it's it's tough to put that all into a short few sentences. It wasn't just, um, it was because they allowed me to take time off when I was like, there was a time when I had, was supposed to be going into for a shift and I had to call someone else in and I basically texted them and I said, Hey, my defibrillator shocked me. I'm going to the hospital. I don't know when I'm going to be out. And just wanted to let you know of what's going on because I might have to take some, like, go in for surgery. And immediately, not a second later, they were basically trying to get a hold of the hospital, trying to figure out where I was. They texted me again that, you know, when you're in the ambulance, you're not able to always text somebody right, mm-hmm. right back. But it was, they were there for me. They had my back. And every step of the way, when I was getting out of the hospital, how are you doing? How are things going? And they, were just there for me every step of the way. I said I wanted to write a book and I was very fearful because there was going to be stories like because uh, they've impacted my life on such a deep level. When did you say and this to them? When did you want to write the book? I wanted to write this book for three years. I've had I was looking back at my old covers and I was like, ooh. <laughs> but I I told them that they were such a big impact on my life that there are some stories that I wanted to show with the world. And they were like, that's fine. That's amazing. That's wonderful. Um, but on a more emotional level, I've really gotten to learn about who they are as people. It's, you know, there's not that this is the hierarchy where the bosses and this is just how it's supposed to be. I would be able to come to the table and say, this is what I think would work best for the company. And then we would break it down. Like when it comes to the business, we take the emotion and the guessing games out of it when it comes to decision making. But then when we come back into it and talk to the people, the employees and everyone that's a part of our team, we really get down to that emotional level of why um, we're making these decisions and why we are doing it. But the best thing that has helped me is I've literally had times when, you know, I had broken up with my significant other uh, because we were going in two separate paths and I had bad credit and I just wasn't able to figure out where I was going to go. Like I was like, well, maybe I can sleep in the office and kind of like sneak around so they don't know. And I basically told them this is what was going on. And instantly they just lend their hand down and said, we have a spare room. No, this is not conventional, you know. Um, But if you aren't succeeding in your personal life, you can't succeed in your professional life and it's going to start affecting you on a professional level and we can't have that. We want you to feel safe. We want you to feel protected. We don't want you trying to, you know, figure it out on the streets or anything because uh, I was looking for apartments and everything was just so expensive in Los Angeles. Um, it was, like the lowest was like an $1,800 studio that was available and I was just shattered and yeah. upset and I just couldn't figure out how I was going to survive. I was like maybe figuring out maybe I have to move back home to Minnesota, move back in with my parents. I didn't know what to do and they were just so gracious to say this is a speed bump right now. We're, there's a hurdle. We're going to get over it. We want you to get over it, and we're going to be there to help you every step of the way and continue to be the best person that you can be. And that's what really stood out to me. And, like, I don't think there's many people out there that would actually lend their hand down to that such a deep level and say, hey, we got your back. And how long into this re- relationship 
did they start offering these like these you know not opportunities but basically just being there for you was it like the first year the second year when was it uh it was probably around the second year once i actually opened up and started having that relationship with them you know the first year was i had a barista position and I was just an entry level position and then I had opened up their second location but they were busy opening up other locations that it was really up to me to open that communication and just say hey this is what I want to be able to do this is my hopes dreams and goals and then that's when we really started to build a relationship was when I was open and honest with them every step of the way and then they were open and honest with me every step of their way and yeah. showing me being authentic in what's happening with the business and what's yeah. happening in their own lives. There's so many nuggets to take away from this story. I mean, just starting with first of just from the very beginning, just taking an interest in your people, finding out where they want to go, what their aspirations are in life and how you can help them to create win-win situations and just genuinely sincerely care about them and where they're going mm-hmm. can have such, you know, just long lasting positive, uh, positive effects. And I mean, if you're not in a like, living proof of that, I don't know what is now five years later, their director of training, uh, going through doing all this research, writing books, just finding information to make the whole business better. But beyond that, Andrew, just the whole idea for, of just, tying into those higher needs. Uh, Most restaurants stop at making sure that their employees' most basic needs are met, and that is food, shelter, basically a paycheck, and maybe some security, like you have a job next week when you come back. Like, But we need more than that. We need to feel like we belong. We need to feel like we're growing personally. We need to have our definite purpose in life. And they they found – they help you find that definite purpose and you're doing great things. And it's just a great story. And I couldn't think of a better place to start this conversation than just <laughs> taking all of what we learned in your book and seeing it being applied to you in your life at a uh, pie in the hole, hole in the pie, Wait, pie hole, pie hole. pie hole. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, man, great way to get this thing going. And um, I'm going to say, I'm gonna make a statement and tell me if you agree or disagree. Um, it seemed to me, that the overarching uh, message in this book was that greatness starts with you and you can never expect anybody on your team to be greater than you are. Uh, They might have more talent, but they won't ever come into work showing up to be better than you essentially. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you're only going to attract onto yourself uh, what you are and the best way to enable uh, your people to get to your level of greatness is through training. That was kind of messy. I could have said it better, but (laughs) is that safe to say? Like just being, becoming a great person, starting with yourself and then making other people great through training is the answer. 100%. Uh, Because one of the biggest issues that I had always seen going through different trainings and being a part of different restaurants was that they only did basic level stuff. These are the skills that you need to do to succeed in this business and that's it and then they expect you just to figure everything else out on your own and it's getting to that human level that necessity of this is who we are this is who we stand for this is what we stand for and these are our standards and we expect you to come up to them because most people have a training program most restaurants they'll have a training program that gets somebody through onto the schedule but that's not what a training program is for a training program is designed to see if the person that you've interviewed and now have wanted to start this relationship with is able to come up to your standards and your expectations. And if they can't, that's okay. That doesn't mean that they're a bad person. That just means that they just can't work for you because you have a certain set of standards and you need to uphold, you need to hold that um, to make sure that everyone on your team is moving forward towards the common goal, your mission and your values as a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think I say this probably too often. I think people who are listening to this are probably already know where I'm going with what I'm about to say. But honestly, like when you do come across that person that isn't right for your team, they don't have the skills necessary to be successful at your restaurant. You're not doing them any favors by keeping them with you because they're clearly not right for the job. Maybe you picked up on some habits, some skills they do have that would, would be better suited in other areas of their or other you know careers and you can tell them like make it a good thing like i'm holding mm-hmm. you back from doing like this because this is clearly what you're good at 
and I'm not serving you at all. So it's hard for hospitality people to disappoint others because we don't yes. like to do that. And it's hard to like say this isn't going to work because we like to make people happy. But if you have that mentality that this is your best interest, uh, it makes it much easier to, to deliver that type of news. Um, mm-hmm. but, Absolutely. So, all right. On the topic of training, um, what do you think some of the next level like training is? Like, w- How can we take an ordinary uh, training program? Or I guess, in your opinion, what is an ordinary training program? Just bringing it to that, uh, just bringing you on the schedule uh, attitude? Yeah, I mean, it's basically a, a basic training program is this is what you do as a server. This is what you do as a line cook. This is what you do. These are the skills that you need. This is how you chop. This is how you saute. Or this is how you carry three plates without having to use a tray. And then there you go. Mm-hmm. But how do you – the thing that most training programs are missing besides the different learning styles, and everyone has different learning styles, and most people don't integrate every single learning style within their training. Uh, but the other thing is how do you have that conversation with people? How do you open up and allow them to open up? How do you you know, anticipate what their needs are, but then if you – can't anticipate what their needs are how do you make that experience for them the best experience that they're ever going to have and just being able to go from you know entry level this these are the hard skills that i need to having that human element to your training program of this is how you get a customer to open up to you this is how you guide them through the menu this is how you get them to get more dessert and just having all of these tools in place that allow you to really succeed as somebody that like if you're a restaurant and your goal or your mission statement is that you want to impact your community on such a level where you'll never be forgotten that you can't just have basic level employees that are in there and just saying, hi, how are you? It's, you know, having that whole conversation, the host comes in, Hey, have you ever been here before? Oh, excellent. They get their name. They go tell the manager, the manager comes over, already knows the customer's name and they have the interaction. The customer is blown away by all of this. That's saying, how did he already know my name? They care that I came in. They care if I've been here ever before, or if this is my first time, they care about my needs. They care what I want, what they're, pining for what it is that I want to eat, even though I don't know what I want to eat. I'm just coming in with friends. You know, how do you get those customers to come back and bring hordes and hordes of friends to come back to them to have that same experience over and over and over again? And you can't do that with just a basic training program. Yeah. I mean, what I'm getting from you is it goes deeper than just the, the basic skills you'll need to not drop a glass. Um, and you know, what order to take, you know, what, what, uh, you know, order you should be going to take an order, like, you know, starting at this point, mm-hmm. around, like all that stuff. But what you're saying is it comes down to culture and, and giving them the values, giving them the history of the company and making them a part of the family and giving mm-hmm. them uh, what you know to be true on how to, to deliver incredible experience just on an emotional level and actually mm-hmm. caring and like going through that level to make them better emotional beings. Is that, is that Absolutely. Yes, 100 percent. Awesome. And um, um, I guess, uh, man, there's so many different directions I want to go, but I don't want to miss anything. Um, if we're somebody who's listening to this right now and they're saying to themselves like, okay, yeah, I could definitely be doing a better job with my training. Um, like where's the first place to start, I guess, with developing that, that program? Like what's the first thing we could be doing? Um, just the first thing that you need to do is just to figure out if you have the right learning styles. Like that's the basic foundational element that most training programs are missing. Like you'll have each job description and you'll have what to do with each job, but then taking the guesswork out of the training program and just saying, as a server, this is everything that you need to succeed. And then you start integrating role playing, you start integrating their different learning styles. So if they are somebody that's more audible, then you're able to have, you know, if they're an audible learner, then you're going to be using someone else as a person to role play while that person's listening to how you speak, because they're not going to be watching the interaction of what you're doing with another server if that server is visual. If somebody's visual, they are going to be watching everything you do. But if somebody's auditory, they're going to be listening to everything that you say, everything that you do, and they're just going to 
peel it apart. And they're going to learn something more than the person that's visual is going to learn. And then how do you tie it all together so the overall vision of what it is that you want to do can be you know, replicated over and over and over again the exact same way because your culture is what's going to make the employees communicate in a certain way. If all of your employees, if you want all of your employees to communicate in a certain way, you have to break it down to the culture and the emotional level and then make it personal to them, which can be a little difficult when it comes to group trainings. But if you make it personal to them, then they're going to be able to really succeed in the restaurant. So it starts with the different learning styles and making sure that your training program touches every single learning style that's out there. And then you can build from there. Okay. Um, so, I mean, you also mentioned the book that the, kind of the secret, I think we kind of really went into this with an episode recently with Dr. Anton Velado with just basically starting with labeling everything that you know, that needs to be done. Like every, any, process that happens in your restaurant find out whose responsibility that process is uh and then literally spell out the way that process done perfectly looks like and just start you know your training manual should be thick um that like it should be it's going to be a lot of work but it's going to standardize everything and give you something to go back to when things start to drift off course say this is how we do it um we don't really need Mm -hmm. to dive into that i mean we kind of get deep into that with dr velato from uh, restaurantowner.com so check out that episode if you're interested in learning how to actually create processes the process for creating processes is in that book so let me ask you this question Mm -hmm. if there is a problem in a restaurant, where is the first place to look? Where's, where's the solution likely? It starts at the top. It always starts at the top. And now everyone who's listening to this is probably like throwing off their headphones right now saying, if my server drops a whole rack of glass, how is glasses? How is this my fault? But it's not just, you know, pointing blame towards one person. It's as a system, as the restaurant, as an overall arching being, whenever anything goes wrong, you always have to ask yourself, have I trained this person enough Mm. to make sure that these incidents don't happen? You know, did we do enough as a company? And that's what the pie hole really taught me was, you know, I was working with them and there is just this story. I'm going to go into the story now of when, you know, I was, this was my first, like first major management position and, you know, I was working and then I had cleaned up for the night and the next roll of people were coming in, the next shift came in and then the next morning I get a really frantic phone call from the owner basically saying, what is happening? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I, like, <laughs> this is confusing to me. And apparently, the night shift, one of the employees had taken a screwdriver, and the back of a fridge was, like, just a standing fridge, was, you know, starting to frost in the back. There was ice, and they wanted to defrost it. So instead of, you know, unplugging it at night and letting it defrost and then plugging it back in in the morning like a normal you know, uh, but these things aren't always common sense. So the employee said, let's make this thing more efficient and let's just use a screwdriver and chop at the ice. Mm-hmm. And during that whole incident, he had punctured the Freon and the Freon was spearing out into the building the whole night. And Freon is kind of a dangerous gas if it's yeah. consumed in very large quantities. Um, and that's not something that you can just easily repair. So it ended up being a like two thousand dollar i think you said five thousand five thousand yeah yeah yeah, because you had to replace the whole fridge so the fridge was like five thousand dollars and it was insane and i was fuming i was upset i was like i can't believe this has happened to me this is i don't because this was back in my early management Mm -hmm. days and i really didn't know how to really you know i wasn't on that emotional level yet i wasn't on the understanding of what just happened and after the dust had settled the owner, we just had a meeting and we were like, okay, so clearly in our manuals, we don't have it outlined that don't use a screwdriver if you need to, you know, defrost the fridge. So we had to really sit down and say, what can we do better as a company? What can we do better as leaders? What can we do as owners 
to make sure that these incidents don't happen again? Mm -hmm. And what can we do to empower our employees and our leadership team to make sure that incidences like this that are very costly to the business don't happen again? Mm -hmm. Awesome. And I mean, there's a lot of good things about what was happening in this situation. Some people, uh, if they aren't the right fit for your company, would look at the issue, looking at the ice and say, it's not my problem. Like who cares if it's cracked open just a little bit all night? Like I don't want to deal with that. Like I, mm-hmm. like that's not what they're paying me for. Um, so the fact that this person was proactive to make the, the, the issue right says a lot. And when you do come down on somebody for doing it the wrong way, that's going to discourage them ever again. If we're trying to, to take that initiative to correct a problem. Um, mm-hmm. So it's really important that you enable people to do things right. And I mean, what, like there's just like, what things can you do um, in your business to make sure or that, that little things like this don't happen. Something as simple as a checklist uh, that basically like when you're closing a restaurant, go through everything that you'd be looking at, everything that you, every standard you'd want to have things and just, make a sh- short little like note as to look at this. And then in the operation manual is the description on how to do it right. But that's just reminding them that, you know, these are the things you need to check. Um, mm-hmm. But if you, if you take the time, like you say, to go through and to train the people up to that standard, um, then like, you know, do you, you want to finish my thoughts? Like, yeah, I'm, absolutely. I'm and then so what, <laughs> what it comes down to is you can't, you're never going to hit everything yeah. because then you'll have a million page training manual. But what you can do is you can have a safety net and say, these are the things that are important that we know are going to work. And this is how we do to prevent it. But then in the manuals and in your culture, you can say, if you don't have an understanding of how to do something or how to take care of something, just ask us. Mm -hmm. Because if you have that conversation with them and say, if you don't know how to do something, that's okay. We're so afraid to make a mistake. We're so afraid to try something. We're so afraid to, you know, speak up at times where if a company can reach down and just say, hey, it's okay if you don't understand something. If something was missed in our training, if something was miscommunicated, let us know. But just ask first before you start making decisions because there's no harm in asking. As if, if there's, especially if it's something that you don't know, make sure you're always asking first and make that part of your culture. Yeah. And uh, one thing I did want to talk about, and I'm, you're kind of going there right now, is kind of that next level of training, which is uh, basically you mentioned in the book that get your, your manager's on or or in the habit of showing up every day to uh, essentially uh, have a a game plan for that day to be proactive to to have hot spots to hit and talk about that real quick. Yeah, I mean, most managers will just walk in, they'll go to the office, check their emails, make sure that everything's taken care of. They'll have like a pre-shift meeting, but a lot of times the pre-shift meetings are just like, this is what the specials are, and this is kind of what we're doing. It it needs to really get down to, these are the goals that we want to set for this shift. Like the manager needs to come in, they need to come in with a positive attitude, they need to come in fired up, ready just to take on the day, because their energy is going to just permeate amongst everyone else on their team. If they come in and they're just, you know, they're upset, they're pissed off, they're whatever it is that they, how they feel, whatever is affecting them in their personal life, you know, all of that's going to really affect the team. So when you come in just fired up, ready to go, saying these are the things that we need to do today. So we need to boost the ticket average by $3. You can do that by selling this, this, and this. And this is the special that we're having. This is the best way to describe it. Billy, how are you going to describe this to the customer to, to really make sure that they this is something that they want? Or how are you going to engage with the customer on a level where you're going to get them to get this or this? Mm-hmm. You know, just having those specific goals to make sure that your employees have a total understanding of what it is that they need to accomplish in that day so they can leave feeling accomplished and completed and just excited to have to come back to work the next day. Yeah, And in that chapter, one thing I really loved uh, that you mentioned is that that whole idea of shifting from becoming a reactional manager to a proactive manager. And uh, Mm -hmm. one of the key things of of being proactive is putting it out there. And like you mentioned earlier, opening it up to the staff, uh, tell me when something is going wrong and using the end of the shift to say, all right, like what was good about this day and what could we do better? And really making a point to open up that channel of communication and say, team, what did we do? 
how do you feel about today? Like, and what can we do tomorrow to do a better job? And that's when these things of like, oh, well, uh, you know, there was ice in the freezer and um, I wasn't sure how to handle that. Uh, is there a process for it? But you're opening up the channel of communication and you're, mm-hmm. you're pro, you know, do you want to talk? What you want to kind of elaborate further and why that's so you know powerful? Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's been times when I have like, especially me, I have a very entrepreneur mindset. So when I was just working in restaurants, this is like, this is the way that I wanted to do it. And then the managers would be like, well, why would you want to do it this way? And we had that communication. And then I had an understanding of where they were coming from. They had an understanding of where I was coming from. And we figured out a solution in the middle that was like, you have really great ideas, but these ideas are tried and true. They work really great. We know that they work. And when you just marinate the two you're able to create amazing new processes that are that can be you know put into place for other locations moving forward but there was another time when i was actually working with a restaurant uh in studio city and there was somebody that was a new employee they're a new server and they just were never hitting their numbers they weren't getting the number of uh alcoholic beverages that they needed to hit. They weren't getting the ticket average. And we basically just pulled them aside and we were like, so where's the disconnect? Where's the issue? And he was basically like, I never even realized that a server's job was to sell. I didn't understand that. I don't know how to communicate to somebody on a level of getting them to, you know, get one extra drink or to get a soda instead of a water. And when we sat down and we said, okay, these are the goals that we want to do. Why don't you just every single customer make sure that you get their name and you have a conversation with them. And if this is something that they're interested in, just always offer it. Mm -hmm. And when they offered it, then all of a sudden people were wanting it more and then they got more fired up and they got more fired up and they were just able to grow from that. And then they became the top performer of the whole restaurant moving forward. And nobody like they were blowing everyone away by 40, 50, 60%. Nobody was even coming close to what they were doing because we took the time and we're like, this is what, this is the game plan that we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And these are the steps that you need to take to make sure that you are there. And he's just become the top performer in the restaurant. Andrew, I have my next question locked and loaded for you. But first, we got to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. Whether you're just getting started in the restaurant business or if you're a seasoned veteran, there's always something new to learn that never ends. (laughs) But what hasn't changed is the time you get to learn. Tipsy has taken everything you need to know and put it in one easy-to-access location. With Tipsy, you can learn what you want, when you want, by accessing an incredible library of video courses on topics like food and beverage, service, marketing, and business operations. It's basically a one-stop shop for everything you need to run a successful restaurant. You can also use Tipsy as a staff training tool. Through the management platform, you can select the courses that matter to you and schedule them out to your employees in a few simple clicks. Individual memberships are only $9 a month, and as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you receive an extra 50% off your first month. So what are you waiting for? For $4.50, you can have access to this incredible resource right now. Just find the tipsy banner in the show notes. After studying over 300 successful restaurant professionals, I've discovered that to be successful in the restaurant industry, you need skills that go far beyond knowing how to cook. All of our guest mentors are damn near experts on business operations, systems, and culture. That is not a coincidence. That is what it takes to be successful. This is exactly why I tell everyone I know who wants to open a restaurant or is in the restaurant business to get a membership to restaurantowner.com. For only $29 a month, you have access to over 300 templates, including business plans, checklists, forms, manuals, and procedures. In addition, you have countless resources at your fingertips. To join a community that has helped over 40,000 restaurant owners make better lives for themselves, head over to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable and because you are restaurants unstoppable listeners you will get the first 10 days for only one dollar again that's restaurantsowner.com slash unstoppable all right we're back and andrew that question is what's the first step we can take 
in our restaurants to get to that proactive state where we're not reactional, but we're proactive and we can take the time to develop people like you did with this young man? Just getting everything lined up and hiring the right managers in place because a lot of managers, they just know by they're setting out fires, they're setting out fires, they're setting out fires. But we need to start building that that leadership in them. We need to start having those soft skills, the organization skills. This is how you prioritize. If the restaurant is open for service, you should never be in the office. You should always be on the floor because on the customer issues and employee issues can only be solved on the floor. Mm-hmm. So really diving down and making sure that you have the foundational work, which is why I wrote my book, Customer Service, mm-hmm. is the bottom line. Because you have to know what your culture is. You have to know what you stand for and your core values. You have to have a basic training program to make sure that when a new employee comes into your restaurant, you know they're going to be able to go from just Joe Schmo off the street into the person that you want to have working in your company. And then once you get to that point, how do we add on to that? How do we build them as leaders? Because everyone just wants to hire people and then they're going to have to focus on this, 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 this. And then they get, they're overwhelmed with everything that they have to do. So if you want to move from being reactionary to proactive, you have to get your day in order. You have to organize it and structure it in such a way that you know every single day when you wake up, this is what needs to happen. And then you're going to, when you walk into that restaurant, there are going to be times when, you know, things don't go according to plan. So then you just insert the priorities and structure your day. So this is what I have to take care of first. The POS system is down. We have to make sure that this is up and running so we can take, you know, take all the payments. And then we'll have the pre-shift. And then as service going, I'm going to take care of X, Y, and Z. Check in with every single customer. Check in with um, Billy because I saw Billy come in today. And just to make sure that you have that organizational structure in place because the only way you're going to be proactive is if you have a full understanding of what the whole day is going to look like. Otherwise, you're just going to continue running around like a chicken with your head cut off and then you're going to feel exhausted. You're not going to feel empowered and you're going to go home, whether you're the owner or you're the manager or you're just, you know, you're the employee, you're just going to feel drained and exhausted and you're not going to want to come back to work the next day. You're not going to want to you know, unlock those doors and walk back into your restaurant. You're not going to want to do it because you don't feel good about it. So if you want to feel good about your restaurant and you want to feel empowered and you want to feel like you have control, you just have to structure your, your day and then add prioritize as you go throughout. Yeah, absolutely. And some of the big things I took away from that was, you know, the first thing, get the right people, the right attitude, the right mentality, uh, then create leaders in like make these people into leaders. And if you have those systems, processes, procedures in place, if you continue that never ending, uh, just continually creating leaders, then over time, it's not going to happen overnight, but everybody's going to know what to do when issues come up. Like you won't have to put the fires out because you're empowering them with the way to think the systems to handle the, the, the problems. And now, now if you enable all these people, you can do the proactive things. You can mm-hmm. work on the, the problems that are coming up. And if there is a problem, well, guess what? That's a light bulb. This problem might be because there isn't a system to handle it. Let's add that to the protocol. So if this does come up again, we can enable our people to handle it without me having to be the person with my finger on everything. But it starts mm-hmm. like what you said back to right people, create leaders, and then teach them how to create leaders underneath you, right? It's, it's just, and yes. the, the framework to do the right things, the systems, processes, procedures. Um, so one big thing uh, that I, I really kind of want to focus on is the whole idea of lonely at the top. Um, people say mm-hmm. if you're the manager, you know, it's really lonely to be at the top. Dive into why you think that's nonsense. I, I, I just think it's silly because that just means that you're not hanging around the right group of people for the first because there's not a restaurant owner in the world. There's not a manager in the world that at times doesn't feel lonely. It's not a fun position to be in. Like to be a manager and to have to hold people accountable, it's not fun. It's not fun to have to fire somebody. It's not fun to have to hold people accountable. It's not fun to, you know, to be the person that carries out the consequences. There's been, I've literally had breakdowns at times because I had to fire somebody and it hurts. It sucks. But 
I, I think it's nonsense when people say it's lonely at the top because you're not hanging out with the right group of people. You're not being, you're not surrounding yourself around people that are lifting you up because if you're a leader, there are hundreds and thousands of other leaders that are out there that understand exactly what it is that you're going through. There are other restaurant owners that are growing at a rapid rate that it may not seem like other restaurants in your area really understand what's happening. But if you surround yourself with people that, you know, director of operations that has understood and really grown restaurants before and just open that relationship with them and, you know, on a friend to friend level, it's having that person that emotionally understands you. If you're feeling lonely as a manager or as a leader, it's because you don't have that emotional connection with somebody that really understands what it is that you're that you're going through. And until you can open yourself up to build relationships with people that are at a much higher level than you are. And that's not just saying that you should always just look for people that are more successful than you, but at a level that you want to be, they're going to have a total understanding. And towards the end of my book, I talk about um, Mendocino farms and Mario Del Perro, who. He has opened up many restaurants and he's gotten a lot more successful, but he always took the time to say, like when Piehole was just beginning to grow, this is who you need to become and this is how you're going to become that. And these are the trials that you're going to be going through. These are the issues that you might you know, witness as you go throughout. But I promise you, if you do these things and get your ship in order and get everything in line... You're going to be 10 times more successful than you can ever be. You're going to feel okay. You're going to feel safe and protected within the company. And you're going to be a leader for them as well because you're going to be strong. And when the owners need somebody to lean on, you're going to be that leader for them even though you are an employee in their company. They're going to look for you. They're going to seek you out. And People that always just say it's lonely is just because they're not getting themselves out there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I 100% agree with everything you just said. This whole podcast is based off off that premise. So, you know, Jim Rohn's, you're the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. So why not hit play and surround yourself with the most successful restaurant professionals out there? And you will become the average of them over time. I mean, it's just the influence. But you also talk about lonely at the top and you go in the other direction, which is the whole idea of your job as the leader is to bring people up to your level who, mm-hmm. so they're on the same, they have the same vision, they have the same values, they have the same understanding of what right looks like. So if you're lonely at the top, do you want to explain why you should be looking down and like in the importance of bringing people up to your level? Oh, absolutely. I, there have been countless times when, you know, I started at the bottom and I was like, oh, I, I'll never be able to know what they know. And it was just having that person that basically just said, listen, things are tough right now. This is what's going on with the company. This is where we, this is the vision that we want to see us go. And we need your help to make sure that we get there. You don't always have the skills that we need right now, but we want you to come with us. We want you to grow with us. We want you to grow professionally, personally on a much different level than you would if you were to work at a large corporation. And we want you to come with us because you have the personality and the attitude that we want. When it comes to attitude, you know, everyone just wants to have those servers that just, you know, nobody wants them, but the servers that just walk into the kitchen and they just start, you know, just spewing out, Oh, this customer did this, this, this. And that's not the kind of people that we want. Those are people that are followers that are just there to do the job and to leave. But it's all about how can you as a restaurant owner or as a manager, How can you impact? Impact is one of my favorite words of the year. Um, But how can you impact them on such a life, in such a way that no matter if they're going to stay with the company or no matter if they're going to even stay in the industry, how can you impact them on such a level that they will never forget the kindness and the words that you had said to them. Like Zig Ziglar said, you never know when a moment and a few sincere words can have an impact on a life. And you never know when you taking the time to 
you know, grow that person professionally that has come into your restaurant and how much of an impact that's going to make on their life and moving forward. They might even become like a CEO of a company and they might start their own company. They might just continue to move in the direction of just being a better person because you took the time to, you know, care about them. But when you reach down to bring people up, you're not only elevating them, but you're elevating yourself as well. Yeah. You know, I love how you kind of threw that word in there, elevating or like, it kind of reminds me of uh, John C. Maxwell in his book, 21 Irrefutable Laws to Success. Um, He talks about being an adder or a subtractor. You're either one Mm. or the other. You're either adding value to someone's life or you're taking away something. You're being negative. You're you're putting them down. Um, And if you're at the top and you're lonely, chances are you're not an adder. Your job is to be adding value to this person's life, giving them the knowledge that you have, giving, giving them the values you have, giving them everything that you have that will add value to their life to make them a better person until you have brought them up to your level and they're right there next to you. And if you're not creating the culture where people feel like they can't come to you with mistakes because you'll be an asshole to them, you'll you'll put them down, you'll tell them they're stupid. Like that's common sense. What were you thinking? That was, the, and then you don't enable them with the knowledge afterwards to handle that inf- that situation better. Like mm-hmm. you're gonna be creating that gap. You're gonna be getting further and further away, sitting at the top with no friends because you. The truth is, you're an awful leader. Is what it comes yep. down to. Absolutely. Um, and I think you know, coming kind of coming full circle with the whole what I took away from the book, like if you want to be great and you say this in the book, what's the secret to being great? Like, like what, what can we do if we want to be great every day? What can we work on? You, I mean, there, there's so many, you can things just you continue. there's so many things that you, <laughs> that you can go through, but it's, you have to focus on making yourself great yes. because that's what's going to make sure that your restaurant is great. That's what's going to make sure that your people are great. That's what's going to make sure that your community is great. And that's what's going to make sure that you have a great existence and a great business and a great life and you leave an amazing, exceptional legacy. Yes. Focus on getting yourself as high as possible as great as possible and then bring everyone up there with you by serving them. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you do that, it will affect what the bottom line, which is everything in customer service. (laughs) Customer service is the bottom. And why is customer service? The bottom line, throw some numbers at us real quick. (laughs) Uh, There have been countless times when it doesn't matter if you're spending a million dollars on marketing, if you're bringing customers into your business and you don't have the right foundation, you don't have the right experience, the customers aren't going to come back and the customers that you currently have aren't going to want to come back either. The way you talk to somebody, the way you treat them, how you have that conversation, your bottom line can increase by tomorrow if you empower your employees to make sure that they are selling things at the best way possible. Like it starts with the employees. You could have the best menu on the face of the planet in the community and nobody's going to come back to it and want to come back for it because you don't have a good exceptional experience. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to read a line from the book. Loyal customers usually make up about 20 to 25% of your customer base, according to thanks past guests on the show. And uh, the biggest spenders in your restaurant generate about 65% of your revenue. So 20 to 25% of your customers are making up 60% of all the money you're making. So if you would just focus on those repeat guests and on training your people to be able to deliver amazing experiences and making them great people by lifting them up, by being an adder and getting them to your level, that costs money. Or, I mean, but you know what? It's that's marketing dollars. That's what you call, Mm -hmm. what is it again? For, Oh, what did I call it? <laughs> I think you quoted the, the TGI Friday guys, the four walls marketing. Um, oh, yeah. But that's what that is. Instead of taking that money and wasting it on ad space someplace or, you know, like just take that money and consider that money training dollars and just create amazing, incredible relationships with your guests and your people. And it will come back to serve you in the long run um, is basically the I think the big message in this book. Is that absolutely 100 percent? Um Anything we didn't touch on today that you feel like is just something that you really want to make sure my listeners understand before we wrap things up? Yes. The biggest thing is that 
in the restaurant industry, we tend to just accept mediocrity. We just accept when something goes wrong and then we just react to it to make sure that it's taken care of, but we don't take proactive steps to make sure that it doesn't happen again. So when it comes to, when you go back and you look at your business plan or you look at your restaurant and say, how can we make this better tomorrow? How can we make this better today? How can we make sure that our employees are empowered just start with being exceptional. And if you aren't an exceptional leader, it's okay. It's a being an exceptional leader, you know, you have to understand where your weaknesses are. But you have to know that in order for everything else in your business and your life to be successful, you have to be exceptional first. You set the standards and then you make sure that your employees follow suit. Yeah, I love it. One thing uh, that, that really stood out to me uh, bef- that I just thought of when you were talking, uh, it was a quote that I got from the book, and that quote is, restaurants fail because they underestimate the time and cost of opening a restaurant, uh, subsequently settling for what they can get. Why is this so important, and how does that uh, impact you from becoming really great and excellent? Yeah, I mean, there's... <laughs> countless times you don't know what the city is going to do to when it comes to permits or how long it's going to take you can say this is the timeline that we have but most restaurant people they will have a certain amount of money they have their loan they have their loan that they got from their family and say this is all that we have and then they don't factor in what could potentially happen. They don't have a safety net. They want to pour all of their money into having an exceptional looking dining room. And I agree 100% that everything when it comes to aesthetics needs to be taken care of. But what happens when you have delays of permits and all of a sudden you're two months behind and now you're scrambling to find employees because the employees that you had are have now left because your mm-hmm. restaurant hasn't opened yet. And now you're scrambling. You're not finding the right people. And now you're just grabbing anyone that you can get and then you shotgun your training and then you open the doors and then all of a sudden you have a a mediocre experience and people aren't going to come back like people understand if it's a restaurant that's opening it's brand new it's fresh there are going to be some kinks that need to be worked out that's why the soft openings are a beautiful thing and then once the ball gets rolling if you can't capture that exceptional experience you know that's where most restaurants fail There was a restaurant in Washington, D.C. that had a super expensive tasting menu and they were open for, I think, two to three months and nobody had went in because they didn't do their market research to make sure that Washington, D.C., where that restaurant was located, wanted a super expensive tasting menu. They didn't. And then they tried to cut it in half and tried to make up for what they had, you know, the – the reputation that they had and they tried to make up for it and said, we're cutting it in half. This is going to be the tasting menu that we're going to have. And the customer still didn't want to come in because they were like, no, this isn't what we want in this community. So you have to understand what your community wants. And then you can have that guessing game of what it is that they're willing to pay for. But how can you create a story that really encapsulates who you are and how it ties into your community to really make sure that you're going to get your people, you know, get those customers to come in waves. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just to kind of go back to that whole idea of when, if you put yourself in a situation, right, uh, where you can't be exceptional because you've limited your resources because you underestimated the time and money that's going to go into it. For some reason, I, I feel like when people, get into this industry when they open their first restaurant, they have this vision where we all these visions of what it's going to be like. And we shoot for that as soon as possible. And we don't Mm -hmm. realize that we don't necessarily, it's good to have that vision, but it's not going to happen tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Start where you can put yourself in a situation that say, if you have a million dollars to spend, then settle on uh, the $300,000 location and give yourself all that extra capital to then pay people really well to get a, a consultant in that will help you with your training program and start from a place where you can start bu- being proactive from the very beginning. You know, like mm-hmm. don't get into that situation where you're going to be scrambling. Like start small. It's about impact. Like you said, yep. right? It's about making an impact. And when you're smaller and you can only handle so many relationships because you're only so big, you can have a deeper impact with people. You can grow people. It's easier to create leaders when you're more intimate with them. And then with time, as you're starting to operate in the, the black, as you have that positive you know, 
flow of money, then grow over time. That vision will eventually come, but not if you can't handle it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, (laughs) For sure. So, I mean, that's, I mean, one big lesson that, that, that when I read that line, I was like, yes, I love it. And uh, I mean, tons of great stuff today, Andrew. Um, You know, and if you are in the situation where you have opened, you a restaurant and your training isn't what it can be and you are reactive any just inspirational words for that person before we wrap up yeah just keep keep moving forward like restaurant openings are always going to be exhausting they're always going to be tiring they're always going to seem like everything is falling apart but that in that moment when everything seems to be falling apart that's when you need to say no i'm a great i'm exceptional I'm going to rise above everything. I understand that something is, you know, these things are not going according to plan, but I'm going to make sure as a team, as a community, we're always going to make sure that we're going to do the best that we can do. And then you just correct as you, as you go along, you know, do the best that you can now and then improve moving forward. So if you have a really shaky restaurant opening night where, you know, this is a soft opening, it just tickets were spewing out and nobody was being able to do something, you know, to be able to keep up. It's just, you stop for a moment, you take a breath and then you keep moving forward. You look at the next ticket, you look at the next ticket and you keep moving forward. You finish at the end of the night and then you have a recap. You just say, this is what we learned. This is how we're going to improve for tomorrow. And then you be better tomorrow. Always strive to be better tomorrow than you were today and it's like that zig ziglar quote uh that's in the book which is you don't have to be great to start but you have to start being great and just mm-hmm. start just being a little bit better every day and over time it will uh the you, you will see a difference and uh great stuff today we wrap up every episode by calling somebody out so who do you admire in this industry and who do you think would make a great guest mentor like you've made for us twice already Yes. Uh, these people, uh, Chris and John Bikos, who are actually local to Pasadena, California. I absolutely love what they've done with the community, how they've grown. They have three restaurants now and they just opened one up, I think about a year and a half or two years ago called Magnolia House in Pasadena. And it's brilliant. And I'm definitely going to hook you up with them. I'll shoot them an email right now and just say that I shouted them out for you. But their restaurant, everything that they do, if you go to I think it's Magnolia House on their Instagram, just their cocktails, the food that they have, the way that they were able to, when their first couple restaurants, they started small. And then they, one of their restaurants, I think it's celebrating their 75th or 80th anniversary this year. And then they were able to open up Magnolia House that was at that next level where every restaurant tour wants to get to. Mm-hmm. But sometimes Patience. you have to start smaller first and then you get the crown jewel that you yeah. really want. And they've really done a beautiful job with everything that they do. So Chris and John Bikos, I know that Eric is coming for you. Yeah, I'm <laughs> coming after you. And what about the folks that pie in the hole, like the, the people that mentored you? I'd love to get them on the show. Yeah, absolutely. I'll definitely hook you up with Lindsay, Matt, and Sean of the Pie Hole. Um, They're amazing people. Beautiful. Awesome. Thank you so much, Andrew. Uh, And let the folks at home know, uh, how can we connect with you and where can we find your book? Yeah, absolutely. So my book is available on Amazon right now. It's a Kindle and paperback. Um, then you can go to my website, andrew-carlson.com, or you can go to carlsonhospitality.com. Um, it directs you to the same web page. But if there's really something that you have questions on, or if you want to learn how to you know, make a better training program, there's a contact page. Otherwise, in the book, there's a free gift if you get it. Um, and that's going to really allow you, I have, if, when you go to the free gift, it's a seven uh, point training outline that really allows you when a customer first walks in, how do you make them a recurring customer instantly? Awesome. So I have that available as well. That's in the book, um, but it's also at free gift from Awesome. Beautiful. I'll have all those links in the show notes. And Andrew, thank you again for joining us for a second time. Congratulations on authoring your first book. Uh, and thank you for the copy. I really enjoyed chewing through it the past couple of days. There is no questioning. Andrew, you are unstoppable. Thank you so much for having me on the show. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Cheers. All right. Another great episode here at Restaurants Unstoppable. Andrew Carlson, man, congratulations on the book. 
So honored to get you back on the show for a second time. And what's the big takeaway for me today? The lesson that was just embedded in this conversation. Um, I mean, let's just look at pie in the hole uh, and what they did for Andrew. Uh, that whole idea, if you just take that time to invest in your people, to care for your people, to, de- to develop your people, amazing things can happen. When when Andrew got to pie in the hole, he didn't know what he wanted to do with his life. He thought he was going to be acting. And then they took an interest in them and they, they started developing him and look where he is now. Author of a book on customer service and just personal growth and culture and training. Like he is just loving what he does and what would have happened if they didn't take an interest in them, if they didn't enable him, if, if they didn't get behind him and if they weren't there for him, caring for him, I mean, look at the amazing resource they created for themselves because they just empowered this individual. Like, why can't you do that for the people in your restaurant? You can, and I'm sure a lot of you do. Um, and it's tough. You know, not every person you invest in is going to go and do amazing things for themselves and for your business. That's just the the hard truth of it. But absolutely nobody will do shit for your restaurant if you don't do anything for them. So if you want to create the potential of having amazing people join your team and become amazing people on your team, you have to work on making them amazing. You have to care for them. You have to enable them, empower them, give them the tools. But it won't happen on its own. So I think that's the big lesson here. And man, Andrew, thank you so, so, so much for coming on the show, for sending me the book and uh, just teaching us all about the importance of developing your team and how that affects the bottom line. And guys, the other big lesson today, it all starts with you. If you want to be great or if you want your people to to be great and your restaurant to be great, you need to work on developing yourself. Read, educate yourself, surround yourself with people who are better than you. They will bring you up and subsequently you will bring your people up. But it starts with you. Like always, guys, please connect with me, Eric Cacciatore, on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter, and Facebook at slash restaurant unstoppable. Please connect with me. I love connecting with my listeners. Email me, Eric at Restaurant Unstoppable. Tell me what your problems are. Tell me who you want to hear from. Or set up a one-on-one chat, restaurantunstoppable.com slash one-on-one. I might not be able to answer your question, but I know somebody who can, and I'd be happy to make an introduction. And then lastly, guys, uh, you're going to be hearing this a lot over the next couple weeks. I'll be in Chicago on May 19th uh, for the foodable.io event. I'll be moderating. Super pumped and excited about that. Uh, nervous, not going to lie, but man, uh, just so honored that they thought of me and extended this invitation for me to speak, uh, or not speak, but basically moderate that conference. And then I'll be at the NRA show, uh, following immediately after probably until about the 23rd of May or 24th of May. So, uh, if you're going to be there and you listen to the show, I want to meet you. Uh, I don't know where or how, but just know I'll be there and I want to meet you. And I guess that's it for today, guys. Um, Thanks for sticking around this long. And until next time, peace out.